by the way, if you're visiting, this is me. Yes, I'm a, just a joker. And, um, we, we try to have a lot of fun here. And so now we have a junior high ministry happening every month. Um, we have uh, kids ministry. Now we're also, by faith, um, this, ye- this next month, we're going to be getting a, uh, another kids class because we've had, what we've had is nursery that went from zero until four, five, six, depending on what the, how the kids felt. And then we had, had, had kids zone, which was anywhere from like four-year-olds all the way up to like sixth grade and seventh grade. Now, imagine trying to teach a class from, with four-year-olds to 13-year-olds. It doesn't quite work real well. And so we, we took out the, the junior high part. That was a good step in the right direction. But still we had these four- and five-year-olds who, you know, they can't read and they couldn't engage. So starting in March, um, we're going to begin to have a little class for the four- and five-year-olds, uh, the three, four, three, four, five-year-olds, um, basically. And they'll be having a little curriculum. And we're looking for people who, who might want to work with that age group on Sunday mornings. We've got a couple all lined up. But we're going to be doing that. So I'm really excited about, about those things happening. Um, so we've got the, the little kids. And then I think with the kids zone being more like six years old through fifth grade, maybe sixth, um, we'll be able to focus more and help them grow in the Bible. One of the things that God has called us to do here is to help bring everyone we come in contact with on a daily basis, one step closer to Jesus. That means we want to help disciple them. We want to help teach them. We want to help them grow. And that's not my job. That's your job. Because the Bible says that the pastor's job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So we want to do that with everyone possible. And so we're going to do that here on Sunday mornings. We're praying about, you know, how other means of, of it, instructing the adults in addition to a Sunday morning uh, thing. And, and we're going to see what God opens the door on that. We want to do it with our kids on Sunday mornings and, and our youth. We do it a couple times a week. and We have life groups. We want to help people grow in their, in their faith. But not just in knowledge. We want to help people grow in their relationship with God. We want to help people grow and become mature uh, believers in every aspect of their life, which also means we want to help people get emotional healing. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's something a lot of churches don't ever t- address. In fact, I had to repent for many years of just being involved in churches where, where we had a lot of uh, people coming um, in life, and this is probably most of our experiences, we're kind of broken people. In fact, some of us would say, we're not just broken. We are messed up, broken, hurting people. And so what the church has done in the past is that we found hurting, messed up, broken people, and we said they need Jesus. And so we introduced Jesus to them, and they got saved. And then they were saved, messed up, broken, hurting people. And we says, well, okay, well, let's now baptize them. So guess what we had? We had saved, baptized, messed up, broken, hurting people. And we kept doing these things, and we would teach them about the Bible. But one of the things we didn't do a lot of in the church was actually help people to overcome those things and to get the healing that they needed. And, and that is something in my heart that we want to help more and more of people actually getting healing that they need and not just trying to stamp Jesus on. Jesus changes us from the inside out. But, but something was missing because even myself was the same similar experience. I just tried to pretend I wasn't broken and messed up. 
because that's what actually you have to do in the church, right? You go, wow, I've been saved a long time and I got baptized. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. So at that point, I was a saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, messed up, broken, hurting person. And, and so because I felt bad about that, what most of us do is we just kind of hide that and we just pretend. And, and you know what I tell you? I think God hates that. God hates us pretending, he wants us to actually get healing. Well, we, we have discovered that healing, the best healing is going to take place, not necessarily in a counselor's office, but in life with other believers where we can uh, be, become real and get the healing we needed. Now, I, uh, but we also believe at times we need to help somebody, have somebody help us walk through the, the brokenness in our lives. And that's kind of the journey that we're on here is we want to help more and more people um, to get that emotional healing by plugging them into community as well as to, to help them walk through an emotional uh, healing process. So that's one of the things that we want to be doing this coming in the future, not just this year, long term. It's, in fact, you know, my, my wife might even shoot me, but it's such a big part of our life and heart. She's going back to school to get her uh, counseling degree. Um, because the, the truth is, uh, I won't ask anyone to raise your hands. The truth is in here, some of us would say, you know what, I need that. I need that. In fact, when I first came to the Lord, it, counseling was so looked down upon that Christians, they would like have to go to the backside of a counseling office if they wanted counseling because there was such a stigma about Christians, especially spirit-filled Christians needing counseling. And some of you have been saved long enough to actually know that that was true. That's like, wow, how come you're not better? You've got Jesus. And we want to take that away. We, we've got a lot of brokenness, and sometimes you have to walk through a process with that. And, and I want to be committed to that um, process. So, boy, there is a ton of things. I'm going to there because in a few minutes I'm going to put some slides up from there. And so all that is, believe it or not, it's part of the message here, and I've got an 18-point message. So... Um, now, if you're a member, um, we've asked you, already, you're already planning to stay afterwards. We're going to have our uh, business meeting. But this is going to become part of uh, our business meeting in the sense that we're going to be talking about who we are, where, we, where we've been, and what we're, where we're going to be this coming year. Thanks, David. There was a lot of places I could have gone. And so in my reading, though, I really felt, wow, let's go with Romans 12. So open your book to Romans 12, your Bible to Romans 12. God is... As, as we get into this, this section here, Father, I just pray that you would bless the word. God, help us to, to get some life out of this and, and hear your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm actually... I'm going to be reading this out of uh, the New Living Translation. And believe it or not, it is the whole chapter. I wasn't kidding when I said I have 18 points. Um, most of them are going to be done really, really quickly. And the, the reason I had 18 points is as I was reading this, saying, Lord, what do you have for us? How do I explain where we're going? And I began to read, and I'm like, well, this is it. Actually, I read 13 and even 14. I went, it's really all of it, but I'm, we're just going to start with 12, and I think you might get the idea. Because, see, the Word of God for us is more than a, a book. It's more than just instructions. It's life. The Bible says about itself that it is life. It is, it's our hope. And... Um, and so uh, we're going to use this as, a, as our springboard of saying, well, God, what do you have for us this coming year? Now, I was really intimidated to even begin this because it's bigger than I can do. It's bigger than, than we can do. But it's not outside of what God wants us to be. 
okay? Let me set this up real quick. Romans chapter 12. The book of Romans is written to Christians. It's not written to unsaved people. It's primarily written to Christians, the Roman, uh, the uh, Christian believers in Rome, and Paul's writing to them. So most of this is being written to a church that's already part of a, it's It's a church, and it's full of Christians. If you're visiting this morning and, and you're not part of uh, the, uh, a church, and uh, if you're not a believer yet, then, then these don't apply to you yet, but I hope that you can see the heart of God in this. A year ago, we went through a book called The Purpose Driven Life. And really what the, the book was by Rick Warren, Rick Warren, I was going to say Rick Warnke, that's the comedian Mike Warnke, but Rick Warren, a pastor of Saddleback Church, and I just believe it was a really a great look to understand that we have five purposes in life. And we were already living out these purposes here at Christian Center. And so I, st- I kind of broke this section down, and almost every one of my points fits into one of the purposes of life. And the very first purpose as Christians is that we're supposed to give worship to God. The Bible says that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so that first thing that we're supposed to do in our life is worship. Romans uh, 12.1 says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, this is New Living tr- Translation, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living, holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So the first point, if you're taking notes, is simply that we're supposed to worship God. We're supposed to, this coming year, we want to continue to worship God. We want to be a people, though, that give our entire selves to God. And, and serve him not just with our minds, not just with our money, um, not just on Sunday mornings, but everything about us we want to give to him. And that is, a, it says it's a holy sacrifice. I tell you, it is a sacrifice that we bring of ourselves to him. And I said, these are going to go quickly. Um, so we want to become a, that's worship. We want to give our bodies to God. As we continue to read down a little bit, the second thing that we're supposed to do, it says, this, truly, this is truly the way we're to worship him. Verse 2 says in the New Living, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Number two is be unique. Believe it or not, God actually likes unique things. Thank God, because I'm kind of unique. You know, he doesn't want us to just be a carbon copy of the world. You know, we, we watch, you know, TV and movies, and we, they, they put these images up that we, we're supposed to emulate. I remember when I was in school, I actually had a 90210 haircut. <laughs> now, for those of you who are in my age group, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I had the Luke Perry thing going on. I had the little, little side chops here, and, you know, and, and at one point I had, the, I had frosted tips, and I had, you know, I had a mullet. You know, I was, I was copying different, sto- you know, fads at the time. I was becoming like the world. And, and, be, and, but God actually says, don't copy the world. Instead, you know, be transformed. Don't copy the behavior and the customs world. So, so God wants you to be unique. Now, this, that's number two. So the number three part goes right along with it. It says, um, instead, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. God wants to transform our thinking. He doesn't want us to be conformed to anything. He wants us as believers to be transformed and transformed in our thinking, and that's a big process. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, the, the Bible says that we um, are washed in the water, and Ephesians chapter 5 says that we're washed in the water by the Word of God. So the only way we can be transformed is through the Word of God. We just went through a 
uh, our, our steps class 201, and we spent five hours talking about the word and prayer and the habits of Christian living. We need to be people who are always in the word and letting the word transform us because this is one of the calls that God has for us and that we as a church want to be involved in. We want to be renewed and washed in the water by the word of God and, and we want to be transformed in the word. By the word, we will be transformed. So this is first for us. And then this is also throughout this message, the idea is that we are supposed to be doing this and then we're supposed to help others to go through the same process. We're not going to let this stop here. We as believers need to help other people go through the same process. I told you we're going to go quick on these parts. Number four. Number four says this. We need to learn God's will for us. And, and if we continue to read, it says, God will transform us into a new person by changing the way we think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. God has a will for you and for me. And he actually wants us to know it. And then he wants us to walk into it. What's awesome is I don't know God's will for you. But you probably do. Now you might not be living in it. You might be running away from it as hard as you can this morning. But God has a will for you to walk in the way he wants you to walk. And he'll bless you in that. And so one of the things we want to do as, as, a, as a church body is discover the will of God for each and every one of us so we can walk into it. And then he wants us in the same time to go and help other people to find the will of God for them. Now, now as we go on here, we're going to find out there's a lot of things that aren't part of the will of God for us. The will of God for us does not include beating our wives, beating our husbands, being drunk, taking drugs, neglecting our children. Those things are not part of the will of God. Those are obvious, but there are things that he wants us to walk into. Um, God's got giftings, and we're going to get into that in just a minute. So we want to learn God's will for us, as it says in uh, verse, we're only in verse 2, but we're going to make it quick. Um, and what's awesome is it says, which is good. His will for you is good, and it's pleasing, and it's perfect. God is not a party pooper or a fuddy-duddy, the wet blanket or the stick in the mud. He's not. But, but, but a lot of us are afraid that he is, that if we come to him, if we give him everything, he's just going to take all of our fun away. That's not. He has a will for you to walk in, and it's good, and it's pleasing, and it's perfect. Here's the problem. I don't know why this stage right here is always the line between God and, you know, but it is. So what we, often we're kind of like straddling this line, and we're kind of like, well, I want to serve God, but I'm a little afraid, and so I come back and forth into this thing, and, and we tend to find that living here isn't good, and it's not fun. So we think that if we go further into God, it's going to get worse. But the opposite is true. If we go further into God, we find that there's freedom, that he begins to take away the desires of the flesh, and, and, and we begin to actually go, wow, what was I so afraid of? But when we're here, we're being pulled so much that we just think, well, already I've given him a little bit, and I can't do all the fun things that I used to do, and so I don't want to go any further in God. No, no, no. His will, as we walk into it, we find it's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. He takes away those regrets. 
Going on, it says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. I love the New Living Translation. It just says it straight out. Don't think you're better than you are. One of the things that we need to do in, in, as believers here at the, at the church, and we're going to help bring that to other people, is we need to learn to be humble. That's part of the maturity discipleship process. The other two, transformed thinking and learning God's will for us, that's all part of the discipleship process. God wanting us to become mature. That's one of the wills and purposes God has for us. So we need to learn to be humble. But it's more than that in verse 3. It's that God also wants to us to learn to accept who we really are. Who we really are. God made you special. And we're not supposed to think we're better than we are. But we're actually, it says, it says, um, don't think you are better than you really are, but be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Listen, figure out who you really are and embrace who God created you to be. Now, now, I'll guarantee you just because I know it's in my life and I know you well enough to know it's in your life too. There are uh, quirks in your life that aren't necessarily part of God's will. You know, there are things maybe you do that he wants to, to clean away, but your personality and your giftings are from God. And he wants you to be unique and, and, and understand who you are and accept who you are. Stop looking around at other people's gifts and go, I want that gift. And I just say, God, I want the gifts that you have for me. Help me to express myself in those gifts. Accept who God created us to be. In order to do that, we're going to have to ask forgiveness of having pride and of having false pride. We just have to be, be, be there and say, God, forgive me. You know, I've, I've, I've tried to act like I was more than I was, and I haven't accepted who you created me to be. God, I've, I've neglected your gifts and, and your desires for my life. Forgive me. We're going to need to go and, and ask for help. Help me, Lord, to change to learn to walk in everything that you have for me. And, and we're going to have to come to understand that God has gifted us. In, in March, we have a, uh, our steps class, our third steps class, which is helping you discover your gifts in the, in the body of Christ and in your life. And it's, it's a, a lot of fun, so be watching for the date on that. It's, I think, the second weekend in March. Um, number six, if we continue to read... It says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We, we, who are, many, uh, we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We need to learn, six points of our 18, that we're not individuals, we're not loners, we belong together. We can't do this outside of ourselves. So this, this talks about that God created us for membership in the body of Christ. He created us for fellowship we, we taught we ta- three different things all the time, interchangeable. Fellowship, community, and membership. Membership not just of a church, but membership in his body. We are not supposed to be lone rangers in this world. And this culture really promotes that, the one the American culture. You know, we're, the, we're the culture that, that, that sadly often doesn't take care of our, our elderly and old people. We put them in homes. And, you know, we're, we're convicted on that. Well, because why? Because we're, we're doing our thing, and that's just going to be too much work. You know, uh, other cultures, they don't do that. They, they just, they, they take care of each other. And, and God wants us to remember that as the body of Christ, we're supposed to care for one another. We're supposed to live in community and have fellowship. And there was a, there's a part in here that is very, very scary. 
and it's scary to me, so I'm, you're not alone if this, if this scares you. It says, we belong to each other. Now, I did this in our, in our class. If, if I were to say, um, and I j- actually just gave these away, I could have used the keys. I said, who do these keys belong to? Um, and I hold them up. Somebody might raise their hand and says, oh, those are my keys. Well, in, in, in other words, though those keys belong to me, right? What if I came over here to Melissa and I said, who does she belong to? Well, according to the scripture, we would all have to raise our hands and say, oh, she belongs to me. Oh, she, we have responsibility for her and to her. She belongs to me. My dog belongs to me. I, have, I feed it. I let it outside. I bring it with me sometimes. Thank you. When something belongs to you, we care for it. This says that we belong to each other as a body. God is helping us to understand that we need to care for each other and love each other and not let that just go, oh, you're having a bad day. Oh, so sorry. Hey, who wants to go to lunch? God's going to bring that thing where we actually care for each other. We belong to one another. And I tell you, that's hard. That's hard sometimes. So that's one of the things. We're not individuals. We're not loners. We belong together. We're a body. We're a unit. We're an army. These are all things that the Bible talks about in order for us to understand um, that, that we are not supposed to be loners. Number seven, uh, it says that, that we are gifted in ministry. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. We believe in this church that everybody has a gift. Everybody has a gift. What, what we need to find, help you do is find out what your gifts are and have you use those in the body that you belong to. And, and remember, as we're figuring this out for us, we want to take this to the, those who don't know Jesus yet or who aren't connected to a body of Christ and help them understand they belong. They're supposed to belong to a body. They're supposed to understand that they're gifted, that they're unique. And so this doesn't stop with us. God is always telling us for us and for those that aren't part of, of the family of God yet to be included into this. But we're gifted. And that connects to number five who, where it says we need to understand that uh, and accept who we really are. And, and, and in Scripture right here, it says we're gifted to do things, but not just do them. We're supposed to do them well. And it, it gives this big, long um, section here. And I'm just going to kind of hit them, but if you read on for a while, it starts talking about some of the gifts. These are just some of them. But it says if you prophesy... Speak out as much faith as possible. Don't just do it. Speak with faith and do it as much as you can. If it's serve, it says, eh, do it mediocre. No, it says serve well. If, what, if your gift is doing something, then you're supposed to do it well. If it's teaching, it says to teach well. If it's encouraging, it says in here, it says be encouraging. And I went, that's so funny because there are some people who think they have a gift of encouragement, but when they open their mouth, they're not encouraging. Don't look around the room, okay? Because you know who you're t- we're talking about. There's people, they think they got the gift of encouragement, so they're always telling you things, and you walk away in meetings from them going, I feel worse about myself, and they're going, I just used my gift. <laughs> Hallelujah. If, you, if your gift is encouraging people, let it be encouraging to them. You know, you know what that means? Part of these things, that as you have a gift, don't just go, hey, I've got a gift and I'm just going to use it the way I want to. Get to learn to use it well. 
That means you practice using your gift. You take instruction in using your gift so that it can be honed and you can do it well. You know, teaching is a gift. It's a spiritual gift. And, and, and so is preaching. And they're, they're really two different, very, very unique things. I think and I pray that I'm getting better as a communicator, as a speaker, as a preacher, as a teacher. I work at it. I read books. I practice alone. Some, some, I'll come in here and sometimes and I'll preach to empty chairs <laughs> because I want to do what I do well. And I need to get better. We all need to do that. If it's giving, give generously, it says. It, gives, it also, another translation says, do it in simplicity. Don't make a big deal out of it. If your gift is giving, now all of our gift is supposed to be tithing, but there are people who have a special gift of giving even above and beyond that. You're supposed to do it cheerfully. And just, just don't make a big deal of it. It's a simple translation. Um, if you have a leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. This is all right here. These are ministry gifts. If, if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, you're supposed to do it gladly and cheerfully. Oh, bummer. <laughs> you, know, you know, sometimes, I mean, you know, you, if you've got that gift of showing kindness, maybe it's giving them money or, or helping them move. You're showing them kindness. Um, another way of showing kindness is having mercy on people. Um, you know, so if you're, you're going to have mercy on someone, it might be because they, they did something wrong to you, and now you're going to have mercy with them. So you're, but you're, when you do that, when you have mercy on someone, you're supposed to do it kindly, with affection, and uh, cheerfully. You know, I'm going to let you off this time, buddy. <laughs> this is it. Well, I don't know how, you know, maybe sometimes that might be called for, but that doesn't, that's not very kind. This is, so if you've got that, that mercy, you're supposed to do it with kindness and, and uh, gentleness at times. Another gift, we're supposed to love others. Um, no, number eight is, is the scriptures go on, so that was it. We're supposed to love others. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Ah, there we go again, it's talking to us. How are you? It's good to see you, brother. Oh, just, I have missed you so much. Can you believe them? You should just, no, 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 no. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Really love them. God is speaking to us. He's speaking to us about us, and he's speaking to us about the world, about those who don't know Christ. We want to be a church who's truly loving, loving each other, and loving those who don't know Christ yet. Don't just pretend. And then it goes on um, in the section, and it explains what that is. So we do it truthfully. The Greek word in there, every once I like to throw in a Greek word um, because, because they're fun to say. Anu, <laughs> anu prokritos. It's, it's like hypocrite. It's the opposite of hypocritical. So it says don't be hypocritical in your love. Don't do it feigning it. Okay, so we're supposed to be truthful and not just pretending in our love. We're supposed to hate what is evil, it goes on to say. Part of loving others is hating what's evil. And, and I, again, I, I really want to get on this one a little bit, and I'm, so I looked it up and it says, what does that mean? It, it, it means pretty much hate. And that some other versions were abhor. We don't use that very often. That's a pretty strong one. Because we go, I hate pizza. You know, do you abhor it? Well, not really. I just hate it. It's like a little bit heavier, right? How about this one? Utterly detest. 
utterly, because we, we hate a lot of things, but would you actually say you utterly detest them? No. We're supposed to utterly detest evil. Do we? Now, evil is, is also diseased, morally diseased. It's things that are grievous. We're supposed to, as Christians, hate things that are grievous and diseased, but instead we often welcome them in and play patty cake with them. You know, there's things that are destroying people's lives. And, and we, just don't, we just don't want to deal with it. We just, you know, no, we're supposed to hate those things. Now, you don't hate the person necessarily who's doing those things, but you hate the thing. You, we're supposed to actually hate that sin, hate that evil. We're supposed to hold tightly to what is good. Loving is hating evil and holding tightly what a good. And, and, and part of the definition of it literally is be glued to the good things. Be glued. That means we're going to be sticking together. We're going to be sticking in the word. We're going to be having fellowship with those things around us that are, are positive. The Bible says whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, think about these things. This is what we're supposed to be doing. And I tell you, there is a, a, a defect in, in a lot of us, and it, and it comes upon me at times too, where all we can do is think negative and yuck. And God wants to say, no, no, no. We want to cling to what is good. We want to hate the evil things gossip and all the negativity that comes on we shouldn't be talking evil about people we should be loving the loving the good looking for the good hating the evil stuff but that doesn't mean we join with gossip and talk about it okay we're supposed to as it goes on it says we're supposed to love each other with genuine affection in the greek it really means brother brotherly kindness and affection so we're loving each other and then part of loving each other as we continue to read on here it says to take delight in honoring each other now, this is really hard when somebody gets the truck that you wanted and you can't get it. It's really hard when you've been saving for a house and somebody who you know has maybe has a different job, a better job, and they're able to buy the house that you want. You know, you're supposed to love that. You're supposed to honor that. You're supposed to take delight when somebody else gets something even though you want that same thing or, or something similar. You know, unfortunately, sometimes we just want to pull those people down and say, yeah, well, they got those things, but their family's falling apart, and, you know, they don't really deserve it. And Well, you know, no, no, we honor when people are honored, and we take delight in when people have success in the kingdom of God. See, we're all at a place that God apparently wants us to be at unless we're at that place because we make bad decisions. You might be living a life just of consequences. But we need to take the light in the place that God has placed us in and always be looking to God to raise us up. And so when other people are honored in whatever happens, we humbly honor them. So we need mercy with people and we need grace to be present. Number nine, we need to be ready to help God's people when they're in need. This is what we want to do as a, as a fellowship. We need to be help, ready to help people when they're in need, and not just from the benevolence offering, but personally. We need to show up. We need to have community and fellowship with one another. Bible says, uh, number 10, is that we need to be eager to practice hospitality. And hospitality is a, a, a losing, losing gift, but be ready to welcome people. That's part of the Romans chapter 12 here. In verse 13, it says, always be eager to practice hospitality. Next one, 11, says, we're supposed to bless those who persecute you. Pray for them, for God to bless them. 
I mean, I wish it said snub your nose at those people that persecute you, but it doesn't. Bless them. Pray for them, that God would bless them. Here the thing is, God doesn't bless evil. You know what the blessing of God looks like? It's when God himself moves on their heart and opens up their heart for him to come in. So you can always pray for God to bless them. He blesses them spiritually. When you're praying a blessing on someone, you're not saying, oh God, I pray that they get a new house because they stole mine. You're saying, God, bless them with every spiritual blessing that's in Christ Jesus. We're talking about spiritual principles. So it's okay to do that. We're so, so in order to do that, we can't be controlled by the flesh. We need to be controlled by the Spirit. Number 12 says, Be happy with those that are happy and weep that those, with those that weep. In order to do that, we have to get to know people and find out when they are happy and when they're weeping and go to them and just weep with them or be happy with them. Even if you're not happy, we have to learn to be happy for those that are happy. We have to learn to relate with people in, in what they're going through. We need to learn that thing called empathy. Not just sympathy, but empathy. Empathy is relating with somebody on, on a deeper level. We have to learn to truly care for people and to learn to be selfless. The next part says that we're supposed to live in harmony. We want as a body of Christ here to live in harmony with those in the church and out of the church as best as we can. As best as we can. I'm so glad I don't hear very often of factions and things happening in this small body. And I, I pray that as we grow, we never do. We don't want to have cliques. We don't want to have this group that wants this and this group that wants that. We want to live in harmony. The Bible says we're supposed to live in harmony as best as we can. It goes along with the very last part, uh, number uh, 18, I think, which was uh, learn to live at peace. We're going to go through the next couple pretty quick. Next part down here as we go on in in the, it says, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of common people. I love this translation. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of the company of common people. That's part of witnessing and uh, witnessing in life. We need to be able to relate with uh, lots of times of people. No matter what your status is in life, don't be so proud that to relate with common people. You know what I also realized? That that in any given circle, you have to s- tell the same thing. I, I find myself. T- I think I'm just a common person. We have to s- tell us the same thing. Don't be too proud to relate with people of high means, of a higher social status. You know, we have the same problem sometimes with the common folk. We see people with wealth that are outside of our status and we want to treat them just as poorly as we felt they've treated us. You know, we need to be able to relate with everybody no matter their economic standing or their, their background, of course, their race, their color. Don't be too proud to, to be with anybody who's different than you. We want to pass those things and have true fellowship. We need to learn to see what's in a man, not what's on him. Dirty clothes are on a man. They're not in him. Tattoos are on a man. They're not in him. Piercings are on a man. A suit and tie is on a man. It's not in him. We don't treat anybody because what's on him, but we want to learn to get to know what's in him. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of common people. Don't think you know it all. Simply, don't think you know it all. You don't, I don't. Let's just, just move on. Number 16, do things honorably. As a church, we want to do things honorably, legally. 
as individuals, we want to be honorable among men in our work ethics, in our practices every day. We want to have a good witness outside of the church and within the church. It's very sad when believers have a quarrel within them and where somebody performed work in a dishonorable way. When a man treats a woman dishonorably or a woman treats a man dishonorably. We want to do things honorably. Number 17 says, work hard to live at peace. Work hard to live at peace. Listen, I'm going to do this as a whole message um, at another time. But, but I'm going to wet, wet your whistle with this. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus did not say, blessed are the peacekeepers. We're supposed to make peace, not just keep it. People who want to keep peace just don't like conflict. And they'll, they'll do anything they can to quiet the conflict. But peacemakers are actually about bringing resolution to the problem, not just quieting the problem down so people are quiet about their problem anymore. The UN sends in peacekeeping forces. We know that long-term, they do nothing. They just keep the peace. They don't make the peace. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. We're going to spend a whole sermon, maybe a sermon series on helping us to go through some of our issues because some of us have a personality type that's been broken by the world that are peacekeepers. And basically what it says is, I just don't want to have anyone in conflict around me. And because of that, we, we do a lot of damage to ourselves and those around us. I'm going to move on from that one really quick. Finally, the very last part, verse, verse 21, we did the whole chapter 12. He says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Don't let evil conquer you. Listen, there's a lot of evil out there. We, we recognize it. And there's murder. There's hatred. There's anger. There's drugs. There's alcohol abuse. There's a lot of crime. But things that we don't always think about uh, of conquering evil is what about emotional abuse? What about neglect? Parents neglecting their children. Husbands neglecting their wives. Wives neglecting their husbands. What about fatherlessness and abandonment? We need to not let evil conquer. These things are all evil, and we don't want to let evil conquer the church. When I hear that the divorce statistics are the same inside of the church as outside of the church, I feel like we are letting evil conquer the church. But we can't just make a rule and say, don't get divorced. That doesn't work. We need to do is help, help people learn to love one another and be kind towards one another and die to yourself and become humble and learn to grow. We want to be that in the church. We want to uh, hate the evil things, cling to what is good, and we want to overcome evil with our good deeds and the good Lord inside of us. And I don't know how we're going to do it all because that's what we're supposed to be doing. You read verse chapter 13 and there's more things that he wants us to be. But I tell you, this, that as a body, we want to live like this. And we want to help other people find these things and we want to grow in them each and every day. And, and, and I believe that we're beginning to do it more and more. And I mean, you know, even this morning, as I, as I walked out the back, uh, Greg says, man, we need, to, we need to get a bigger building. We're growing. And God's got a plan for us to prosper us as we hold on to what he is doing in our lives 
and begin to share that with the world as we are truly his disciples and we begin to love more and more and grow in these things and become spiritually mature and realize that he has a, a goal and call for us to evangelize the world, we're going to see more and more people saved. If, if, if you believe that you never want to see growth in this church, I just can encourage you now, you might as well leave. Because until everyone's saved, we're supposed to keep growing. Until everyone in Big Bear is in a fellowship and is growing in their faith, we need to keep growing. And it's going to hurt as we grow sometimes. Things are going to change. That's why we, we do our life groups, and we're going to be raising up a lot of life group leaders this year because we need more life groups where we can come and have fellowship and live in community and find some of these things happening where we can really get the help that we need. But we're going to keep, as we grow bigger, we're going to grow smaller. As we grow bigger, we're going to grow smaller into our life groups and community groups. Um, this is a, a really quick transition, but I want to show this before we go into the close and prayer and then go into our, our, our business meeting. If you're a member, we ask that you stay. If you're not a member but you want to stay, you can. You can listen to all the things we're talking about in our meeting. But, but I want to show this because as we've been on this journey of, of, of God just stirring our hearts and bringing them to close to us, I believe he's been bringing blessing and growth to us. And in the process, we went, we need a bigger space. You, we, one of the things we just did is we, we have worship next door for the little kids because we've had 115 people in this room a couple of times when there's only 100 chairs in here. So we're, we're, we're growing, we're busting. And so we want to be able to handle, handle growth. And so we've put together... We've put together a little um, potential building project, and I want to show it to us this morning. I hope it's not underwhelming. It's something I did on a little program here. But th this, this room right here that we're in is 30 feet by 40 feet. Some of you have bigger garages. Um, <laughs> I closed my my program here so let me open it up real quick that's what happens okay so it's not up there yet right okay it will be up in just a moment so what we want to do is we want to build a another uh, expand the sanctuary we want to go 50 feet out this way and go 50 feet wide and have a 90 foot basically by 50 foot sanctuary and put a little hallway right over here and we're going to be some do some modifications in 4500 square feet woohoo So, let's see if I learned how to do this correct. Go ahead and turn off these lights up here because it's kind of a... Yeah, and the spots. There we go. There we go. They're coming. All right. So I'm going to move my mouse around. So the building right now looks like this. There, this part is the new part. So we come straight out here. 
we enter in right here and actually the building doesn't come here we want to add this little 10 feet at the front so that the whole face would be one long straight so it didn't just jut out here we'll be entering this is an idea enter in this side and 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 add about 50 by 50 add about 2500 square feet to the building. We're going to update our bathrooms back here and do some work in here to make a little bit better space. So I am going to play. I think I can do this. Here we go. All right, so I'm just going to play it. Ready? Here we go. All right, so that's obviously an aerial view. It's still a little crude, but let's see. I can close that if I can. I want to make it bigger. Can I close that? There. That's a little better. Let's try that again. Okay, it's going to spend a few few seconds. That's kind of from the north looking in um, with, the with the boulevard in front. Just doing a couple modifications, but a nice clean front with a nice entrance. And we, you know, this is again just some some my drawings. Yeah, I like the new paint job. <laughs> we need something, a paint job or something, nice siding. I don't know. All right, look at you can even see through the windows now. There you are now. Everyone who attends a church will be dressed in the same shirts and have the same hairstyle. You'll, you'll see them in just a second. There, there's not a lot of people here yet, but that's the, that's the hallway that we know now. That's our snack table. Thanks for putting snacks on it. Okay. And this will be the entrance. We're going to put the entrance to the sanctuary. This, the front part here is the existing, and then obviously we're going to add some new, new sides to that. So you're going to see an aerial view here in just a second of what we want to do. Um, right now we have 100 chairs in here. That's 200. We can put up to at least 225 and still be under fire code without a problem. A nice 34-foot wide stage, a little bit deeper for better presentations and things with a baptismal in the middle. And then that's kind of from the back. Uh, again, these are just, we can change things around. This was just some simple ideas and drawings. Um, there's the view from the front. There's uh, David in the sound booth there. He's got that same blank expression on his face as everyone else has in the church. Um, that's the way I look at you guys from the front, you know. Um, we're going to do a little bit of modifications in the hallway and maybe do a pop-out, put some tables in there. Um, and then, and then pretty much that's it. This, this next picture is just, I just decided to throw up a nice picture of Brian in the kid zone in there. Um, he never has his hands in his pockets. He usually has them on his hair, pulling them out. Um, and that's kind of the, the upper view again. And that is a potential plan of expansion. And what's really awesome is that I was just told uh, by the treasurer that we have enough money to do this. But the problem is, is it still in your pockets? <laughs> is that good? That was good. All right, I got a thumbs up on that one. All right, some of you are still going, huh? Anyways, that's okay. Just give me your credit card. You'll understand later.
No, no, but um, you, honestly, you, God's going to do this. God's, God's going to do this in his timing, but we're beginning to pray and have a plan. Um, in fact, last year we had seed faith happen. We never even talked about this, and towards the end of the year, we got a $1,500 gift towards our building fund, which we didn't even have established at the time. Um, and so I went, you know what, I just feel like, okay, it's time to, to go ahead and put this up and say, you know, a- as we grow, this is, this is one of the potentials of, of where we're going to put the people. Probably before then, we'll end up at two services and, and as we grow. And we're not going to do things quickly. We're not going to go into debt over these things. But we do have a plan that we're going to work towards. And that's part of what the business meeting is about, is looking at all the numbers of how we did last year compared to this year. So stay if you want to know those things. Um, went a little bit over. We're going to pray. And I'm going to ask for some, before I say amen, because otherwise everyone's going to leave. You know, if you're leaving, just go ahead and, and, and head out. Those staying, stay. We're going to need to move some of the chairs and stack them. And we're going to bring in our round tables. We're going to eat lunch in here. We have a sandwich bar going on um, for the members and things like that. So we're going to move the tables in here right after. So if we can get some guys beginning to stack chairs and go and get the round tables. The ladies have been working on getting our sandwiches ready for the business meeting. And uh, let's see here. What am I going to I'm going to make Mr. Taylor close in prayer today. He just, he just loves to be put on the spot. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. We'll...